Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Blogger Evolution Podcast. Today we are excited to have Jesse Cunningham with us. Now, Jesse is a successful entrepreneur and SEO expert who recently started a YouTube channel just out of sheer boredom. Now, what began as a side hustle soon grew into a popular channel focused on SEO and AI, gaining a strong following of nearly 10,000 subscribers in just a few short months. But that's not all. Jesse also runs a successful business helping larger companies increase their online visibility with search engine optimization and share some of the tactics and strategies to grow their traffic and how we can take that information and use it for our websites as well. In fact, he also has a niche site that he's building up right now on an expired domain that he recently conducted an experiment where he spent over $10,000 on the site and content and building it up in backlinks. And it's an insurance niche website, but unfortunately the results haven't been what he is expecting so far. But but despite that, Jesse remains determined and always leads with positivity and confidence since he is so experienced in the space. We're excited to have Jesse on and share his experience with us. So let's get into it. And if you want help to build your side hustle to over $100,000 in revenue, be sure to go check out oneblogaway.co. That's oneblogaway.co. There I have a free course that you can check out and have the opportunity to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. Now let's get into the video. And welcome back to the Blogger Revolution. We have the privilege of talking with Jesse Cunningham from the Jesse Cunningham YouTube channel. I'll be sure to link that down below so you can go check it out. But he is an SEO extraordinaire. He's been in the game for quite a while, but I'm not going to sit here and just continue, you know, touting him up. I'm gonna let him do a little bit of it. So Jesse, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thanks, Chris. So, um, yep, I'm Jesse Cunningham. I just created a YouTube channel recently out of boredom. Um, because if you're a fellow SEO, you know, sometimes it can get bored, um, monotonous. So I was like, I have to do something creative. Um, so I went about creating it and then it got traction. It got traction. I'm like, okay, there's something here. And just like how we test in SEO, you know, we, we put out clusters, topical clusters to see if they bite Google bites, um, YouTube bit. So I've pressed into it more and more over the last two months and the audience has been awesome. I'm, I'm grateful. I try to keep it always positive on my channel because there's too much negativity in this world. So I always try to lead with positivity. Um, although I did a um, experiment where I'm dropping a significant amount of money and it didn't seem to work out so far. It's been quarter one of bopple.com. Maybe you've seen this and uh, we spent $10,000 on an insurance niche website and uh, wrote 250 blog posts, mostly with ChatGPT. Um, about a hundred of them were with ChatGPT 3.0. The rest with 3.5 revised by me um, and the impressions got hammered. And we went into that in the video, why? But that's me, I service a lot of clients. Um, the, the focus of my business is helping larger companies, uh, whether or not they're in the insurance space, um, lawyers, what have you, increase their online vis visibility. So that's what I'm about. Okay, wow, okay, yeah. So that, that's a lot to unpack there and we'll try to hit each one of those beats on the way. Um, if you don't mind, give us like just a, a quick little background on how you got into SEO at all. And you said that you work with clients right now and with more uh, very big clients. How is that, how'd you get into that? How, how are you enjoying it? And what do you think about it? Yeah, um, so I think it started in high school. Um, I was lucky to have some cool teachers who were legit programmers. I was never good at programming. We did JavaScript, um, but it introduced me to the space. And then we did have um, a web class to create HTML websites. And then we had Dreamweaver and all these cool oh, things. Yeah. Um, Mr. <laughs> Mosier, I think his name was. But from that, you know, I was a carpenter. 
around 18 years old for five years. I did odd jobs. I moved to Hawaii. I met my wife out there. But throughout this whole experience, I've always gravitated towards business owners. And through those conversations, it's always like, I can help you with your website. I can help you get more clients. And it just naturally has evolved over the last 15 years. And then referrals happen to referrals. And we have 10, uh, 10 to 12 people anytime on the team right now. So it certainly has grown and evolved over that relatively short time. I mean, 15 years is 15 years, but I feel like it was short. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it's like a blip on the radar. But <laughs> but it does. I mean, that's a long time to be in any single space. You know, uh, when I had a job, I barely kept the job for longer than a couple of years and went on to another one and went on to another one like a typical millennial. Well, I'm that too. I'm, and, and it wasn't consistent throughout, but I've always had my finger, you know, messing around with PBNs doing all the black hat, doing white hat. I've always loved experimenting. Um, I'm not afraid to to do it and to, to suffer for it because ultimately I think it gives a better product for clients. Yeah. No, experimentation is everything, especially in SEO. So uh, let me ask you this. So when you got into SEO, how did you learn it? Did you just kind of pick it up on the side or uh, did you get any certification? Like, How did you get into SEO to the point to where you just started learning it and, and getting good enough to be able to help other people do it. I'm fortunate that I'm surrounded by people smarter than me. Um, when I was in high school, me and my buddy, Rich, who we're, we are actually working on um, a product right now, a SaaS product called Word Galaxy. But nonetheless, that that's a total tangent. We created a website called BigBelair.com. Um, and Big Bel Air was the predecessor. We didn't know Google would come out with like Google. Um, it didn't even have Google what is it like the map pack, the three pack? Yeah. They didn't have Google reviews at this time, these things. So we were going to like make a big website for our community. Well, through that, we had a buddy who played in bands with us who was like awesome dev. And he had a friend who was awesome front end guy. So it's just kind of like being in the mix, trying to make money, being an entrepreneur, um, just always, always grinding. Like I will move forward, you know, a hundred feet, bang my head, turn right 90 degrees and do it again until I get out of the maze. Um, but I'll never stop moving. So I learned through YouTube, through doing it, mostly doing it as most of us, I think, learn in this space. Yeah, no, that's the best way. It's, uh, if you, anytime you try to, uh, uh, you know, just listen to everybody else, you follow that influencer, follow that influencer, <coughs> excuse me, and then just try to put together your own thing. It, it's, it's, it's not comparable to just throwing it out there and doing it and then seeing what happens, right? Because that's really what everything is. So, you know, speaking of that, you know, since we are talking about that, throwing things out there and seeing what happens, um, a big part of your channel has been surrounded around how ChatGPT has kind of literally, you know, turned our lives upside down as as SEOs and niche site creators. Um, and then you started using it specifically for Bopple.com. So tell me the story about how you got into uh, that idea that you wanted to test this out and jump into the insurance niche. Mm, okay. So back up 10 years, I am an insurance agent. So I'm fortunate to have a father who's in the space. Um, and he does life and health insurance. I do car and home insurance. So that's like a very, my, my aspect of it is very passive income. So I've always been attracted to passive income and there's no such thing as true passive income, by the way, don't let any YouTuber tell you otherwise. It always <laughs> takes hard work, even when you have the income. Even with a blog, when you have the income, you still have to work it. Yeah. Um, although I think blogs are probably the closest to passive income. Nonetheless, agreed. <laughs> the point of this, I think I, I truly think so. But I want to say that because I do have the EEAT or EAT for this insurance niche. Right. So people are like, why are you even trying to do this niche? It's super competitive. I know that. 
um, because I have the credentials to do so. Otherwise, I think it would be a waste of time. So I was on vacation um, December of 2022, and I saw the opportunity with ChatGPT, and I had the infrastructure in place of, of people on the team to plug in immediately. So I was able to, to have one of my team members. I, I gave him an SOP, standard operating procedure. I said, look, let's give this a go. This is how we get raw material out of this software. Um, you get me the raw material. I'll put it into topical clusters. I will revise, and then someone will push live and edit, optimize images, WebP, interlink. So I immediately saw it as an opportunity to scale quickly. That's how I saw it. Yeah. I don't want to be grinding out on doing 250 myself, 250 articles. That's crazy. Yeah, that's tough. You know, that's tough. But having the um, the background and the resources, and I like how insurance is kind of like your, uh, especially when it comes to blogging and SEO, that was your competitive advantage and you were taking advantage of it and uh, or you still are taking advantage of it. Now, um, tell us where the site is, like what was going on with the site? And then you, you mentioned before that you kind of hit a roadblock with it. So what's going on with that? Yeah, so it was going good. It's an aged domain or an expired domain, rather. Bopple.com is a town in Australia. Um, it had no real topical relevance and the domain rating was 10, you know. No big deal on Ahrefs. So we started posting interlink and doing hubs of 10, 20, 30 articles in a hub. And impressions were good. And we were getting click through on pretty competitive things. And then came February 21st or so, about two months in. And I noticed, boom, impressions over the five days just went to zero. And I have friends in the space, as we all do. And we're talking about it on the side. I was talking to you about it. And it's like, what do you think this can be? Because there's so many variables in SEO, we don't, it could be a lot of things, right? Yeah. Um, but whittled it down to most likely, I, I, I purchased backlinks, and I'm not afraid to say so. And one of them was a high domain rating of 77. And it coincided with that purchase two days after when I think it got caught by Google. They know it's a backlink farm, new website, too aggressive. I can't absorb the toxicity on my website. That's my current theory. Now, it could just be a new website, and we're going through the, the struggle of a new website, but I don't think the backlink on that specific one helped. Yeah, and that makes sense because, uh, gosh, that's, that must have, how did that feel when you saw the, uh, the impressions just tank on the site? First, it was embarrassing because I'm doing this in public. The first video got 16,000 views. I'm like, I'd much prefer to have a success story like, this is awesome, look at me. But I talked to my wife about it, and... I think being transparent has more value uh, than being the person who pretends they own a Ferrari, but merely rents one for a day to do an Instagram shot. You know, so this is real SEO. We all fail. I think Matt Diggity says you need to be right about 70% of the time to be a good SEO. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a pretty good odds too, in my opinion, right? That is super good. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good odds. All right, so let's let's look, let's look back at Bopple.com. and you mentioned that you had um, you had paid for a couple of links and you got one and you said it was a link farm. Did, did you know it was a link farm or it was this after further investigation? So I have processes in place to push all my potential buying of links through a sieve, more or less. This see, this is all still in theory. We don't know for sure. Yeah, this website gets a million views. Um, I'm pretty sure. A million um, organically every bit of 500,000 a month yeah. 
Now, and I also push it through Ahrefs and I look at toxicity. So I already did my work. Out of every 30, I would say, websites I have opportunity to backlink with, you know, only one might make the cut. Hmm. So I did my homework. Um, I haven't used this particular website before, but it was in the insurance niche partially. It might have had to do with the anchor uh, text I used as well. I unfortunately had it pushed to the cold call in lead portion of the website. So leads, Google already knows like that's a high, you know, cost per click aspect of insurance and it's very spammy as it is. That probably didn't help either. I probably should have pushed it to some vanilla car insurance article. Yeah. Gotcha. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm just thinking through it right now. I'm still, this is still fresh. Well, let me ask this. So, how do you, you you mentioned that you put the uh, the backlink through a few checks and balances to make sure that it passed and that you have a pretty rigorous you know way of deciding. What is your exact process, if you don't mind sharing, um, on how you vet a link before you you know give it a good thumbs up and and go through with the process of getting the link? So I would merely open a website to see does it look spammy, right? Let's just look at the homepage. Furthermore, let's look at its sitemap and see what's recently been posted. Is it crypto stuff all over the place? Is it, you know, things that we don't want to be associated with? Is it sketchy? Um, and then you push it into Ahrefs, at least I do. And I look at um, the, the the backlinks to it, as well as the traffic relative keywords. Have they gotten penalized anytime recently? Do they look like they may be in the process of getting penalized? Penalized meaning that they're in Ahrefs is the orange line. You can see keywords, you can see some websites just tank. Um, so that's kind of how I vet it. That's the top level process. You can go further and you can actually, this is kind of like a cool thing you can do. You can look at other blog posts. And I'm sure a lot of people know this. Look at a fresh blog post on one of these websites and figure out who purchased that. Go to their website and look at all their backlinks. Now, all of a sudden you have a list of all these websites you can purchase backlinks for and you can find some gems. Um, but then you need the resources to reach out to these websites to get the backlinks. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, that's a pretty good process there because, you need, you know, backlinks is tough. Like a lot of, especially when you go, especially on YouTube, right? Everyone, you know, there's a lot of very popular um, blogging influencers, for lack of a better term, who just are like, no, just great content, no backlinks at all, you know? And and because of that, I think it's kind of created a culture where people are like, ooh, dude, backlinks, you know, I don't want to do it. And it has, it has. And Google also creates that culture because it, it kind of games their system a bit. They don't want that to happen. Yeah. And no matter what they do, they can't really get away from it, to be honest, <laughs> on making backlinks so important. I think they were close and then ChatGPT came along and then they're like, oh, gosh, we have to focus on this now. Yeah, because if everyone's pumping out pretty much the same content from the same GPT model, then uh, the only differentiator, in my opinion, has to be links. <laughs> you know, but it, Right? Yeah, it has to An be. An EEAT. Yeah. Um, now, in regards to Bopple, do you think there was a difference uh, because it was an expired or it, the domain dropped at one point versus it have been aged and never dropped? Or do you think that has anything to do with it? So I have websites personally that I may or may not bring into the public one day, but I have ones that I purchase straight new domain, you know, and then I have ones that are truly aged that never dropped that are DR29 plus. Um, and we rebuilt it before transferring it over. Um, both of those have performed better than Bobble. I don't know if it's because of it's an expired domain. I think I was just uber, uber aggressive. Yeah. 
I mean, if you look at the backlink profile, we have some insane backlinks. We have Business Insider, we have Insurify, we have all of these insurance specific backlinks that are super hard to get. Um, but still yet, I think it was just a bit too aggressive on the quantity of posts. Um, and then the question mark is, did this get penalized because Google's onto us for ChatGPT? Which, believe it or not, I don't think so. Yeah, that actually was going to be my next question. Um, <clears throat> how much, I mean, I know you said, you just said that you don't think it's ChatGPT and the content there, but uh, how are you, how do you know for sure? Or do you know for sure? No, definitely not. But I do experiments with clients too, with their consent, um, because we want to speed up their processes too. We want to create, he who creates the most good content kind of wins in this space, right? Mm -hmm. If you can bust out more content, you're going to do well. So we're, 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 we're mixing in ChatGPT articles to existing hubs, to new hubs we're creating with real writers. And the ChatGPT stuff ranks right in the middle of the pack with everything else. And I've done stuff that I didn't even edit it. I didn't even edit it. And, and, and we're talking, to, keep in mind, I'm an insurance guy. I have clients in the insurance space. Um, law, law, these are highly competitive spaces and it still works. I don't think Google's spending the resources. I watched your last interview um, with, was, was he the creator of originality? Yeah. Yes. Uh, John, Crazy. John Gillum. Uh, so John was saying that there was a diminishing return upon 75% score originality score. Mm -hmm. He said he noticed a trend. If you can pass 75% on his tool, like the content is 75, he saw a trend, like after that point, it's, it's not worth it. But if you can get up to that point, then you're in, you're in the mix. You remember that was on the tail end of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he mentioned um using originality.ai, which is the AI content checker, that um there's like a confidence score that it gives you after it runs whatever you throw in there. And he mentioned if it's 75, you you should be okay because when they were running their models or whatever, after it got past 75, it just started dipping. And right. um so he he kind of got to the point to where he could confidently say if you can get a score of 75, that's probably good enough for Google. Which is interesting, and, and that tool is insane. I would love, I mean, a dream of mine. We're building this, it's called Word Galaxy, this this SaaS program where it's one-click creation of blog articles. I was thinking to myself, what if we can embed originality in it, like an API connection with his tool to our tool, so users could see, have we hit the 75% mark? That would be cool. Yeah, I think that's important for uh, for um. SOPs and everything, because now you can tell someone, hey, when you get to 75, you're done. Move on to the next step. Um, let me ask you this. What's your process of using ChatGPT to like, like, I guess, from the whole thing of getting the content out there? So take us from idea to hitting publish on the article. Starts with keyword research. Um, I, I think the majority of an SEO's worth comes from keyword research to identify where to shoot. So if you do have a team behind you, and keep in mind, this doesn't have to be an expensive venture um, because you can get awesome people from around the world um, where the American dollar goes really super far. Um, but with that said, I identify clusters. Um, for instance, I have a website on fishing and catfish is, 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 you know, catfish fishing from the shore, types of rigs for catfish. Um, I look at my competitors, I do the Ahrefs keyword research and I provide keywords they type in. Now, I simply have a video where they can watch, pause, watch again, whatever, 
as well as a Google Doc that shows them the prompts that we want to use. Um, and they just get at it. And we've gotten to the point where they can go from start to finish. If I can provide the keywords, um, they'll post it. I don't have to touch it at this point. Nice. Nice. So just to, to kind of go through that. So you come up with the idea with the keyword research. So you try to figure out what article you want to write. And then you provide the prompts with a video and a Google Doc, basically showing them how to do it step by step. And then uh, so after you come up with the idea, you're pretty much hands off at that point, right? I can be. It depends you on your be. risk tolerance. If it's a website you love in a door, you're going to probably revise it. So then at that point, I would require them to push it to draft. Gotcha. So and in, that's what I was doing with Bobble. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So with your content clusters, um, are you just putting those together like in your head? You're looking at the list and thinking, okay, this should go with that. That should go with that. Or are you using any other tools to try to put these clusters together? Um, walk us through that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Google Sheets. And it's very, very um, methodical because once a cluster states 10 articles, there's there's up to three tiers, three columns, tier one, tier two, tier three. Um, and it's like a it's like a web of content. They all touch and create um, um, connect rather to each other. Once the hub is done, that person working it will go back and interlink them all in a methodical way. Um, based upon what Kyle Roof believes and some other SEOs. Um, but I will say when you publish something new and you have an existing like bulk of articles, I encourage you to use a tool like Link Whisper to get some inbound links to that new article. Uh, another tip is to index it on Google Search Console because you can expedite this whole indexing thing by months, if you, especially if you have a new website. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I always tell people to, to use it. Um, you get to a point to where once the site is, you're adding content uh, consistently to the site that Google's bots are coming back regularly to your site anyway, but you got to get it there, right? They have the trust that they can spend their resources to crawl your site versus someone 100%. else who probably more who more deserves it all right cool so um how big are your clusters usually and are you doing like a hard silo kind of thing or are you kind of more you know you don't mind linking out to somewhere else good question um maybe you can help me i've always been wishy-washy on like pictures i've often and i deleted i did this on bobble for 100 posts we had cool pictures from insurance relevant sites and we're doing external links out. Mm -hmm. But one of my buddies was like, Jess, don't do that. You're going to get sued. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, I don't, I'm doing this in public, right? Uh, I don't, uh, he got sued because he used a picture and even accredited it and they paid out $1,200 for a silly picture. Wow. Right. So, Regarding a hard cluster, like internally, yes, that's how I usually do it. Um, I will do kind of cool external links. And if I'm not answering the question, just stop me. Um, a hard cluster to me is like we keep it in-house. We're not pushing out to .edu links and what have you externally. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what I would consider it. Um, probably more along the lines of just keeping it on the site, you know, like um, I have one site I'm actually doing a test on right now. And the pl a plugin I'm using is, uh, I think it's WP external links, where it basically turns off every link. It makes every link a no follow link on the entire site, except with the exception of internal links, but any link going out and you have to go in and be very uh, uh, exceptional. You have to put an exception in if you want to make a certain link or domain a do follow. Um, I thought that that was hurting the site. 
because it was a suggestion from someone else. But literally over the last three months, the site's skyrocketing now. And all of this. So I'm thinking keeping the juice on my own site is helping, but I'm not really. I mean, I, I don't know if I can really attribute it to that, but it's uh, <laughs> it is interesting, you know, how you know, trying to do better with managing your link authority with uh, with harder silos. I'm testing that out with a brand new site that I just started like last month and I'll be able to figure out what I can do with it probably in the next few months. But um, no, that's, that's interesting to see how you, you know, are, are you a little bit more, if, unless it's a big site, are you linking out to them? Or if it's someone else, you don't, maybe a competitor, you're like, no, I'm not going to give you any juice. So no follow you. Are you that strict with it or do you not really care? Um, For clients? Yeah, I'm that strict with it because oftentimes my clients, they have DRs 50 plus. We don't yeah. need, you know, we don't, we don't need to play that game. It's all about us. Um, the exception is I, I teach people use site dot dot you know dot dot edu and type in your keyword. Let's find some high authoritative edu websites to push out to because they're not competition. They're not ranking for keywords. They just want to be academic. Yeah. But we're showing Google that we're considering the the true sources. Yeah. And you mentioned that you work with a lot of uh, you know high authority sites. What would you say is the main difference with working with you know, a high authority site that's, you know, 40, 50, 60, you know, domain rating in Ahrefs versus the one you're working with now, which is a 10, you know, could you think, do you think that's adding to some of the volatility here? I'm accustomed to fast, fast, fast. I'm accustomed to high competition and things move fast because we're at that high level. Um, for instance, I have a client um, over the last two months, we've increased their website traffic by 20%. Nice. And that's with one hub of 20 articles. Wow. That's crazy. We got fortunate on a, we got a featured snippet on a single country term. Like we show up. Um, so I like that higher competition because the whole reason I'm in SEO is it's not boring to me. I love competition and, and, and it's transparent competition because I can see the competitors exactly what they're doing. And I call it parasitic SEO. I can look at what you're doing. I can take all the good things and leave behind the bad. Yeah. Um, but Bopple is different. New websites are way different. Someone on my on the YouTube channel said, you have to treat new websites like a, uh, a human. You cannot feed it too much or too little. <laughs> no, that makes sense. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, that's a good thing for me to remember because I'm I'm I love just pushing it all all in and just going hard. Well, when you have a DR50 site, you can do that because the site's already established, right? But like you mentioned, you, you know, you have a, a you know a, an infant of a site, and you're sitting there trying to f uh, force a stake down its throat. Then you got to have an issue there with it. Um, I actually never thought of it that way. That's actually a really good idea because Google's always just looking to see if this new kid on the block is just gonna be is gonna become a problem, right? <laughs> so uh, they're they're probably looking at you a lot harder as a newer site. So you have to be a little bit more careful with it. Um, yeah, no, I, I love that illustration. I'm, 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 I'm totally going to steal that. Anyways, uh, what's the future? I'm sorry, go ahead. Not mine. It was, <laughs> it was in the comments. I read all the comments. Do you in your videos? Yes, every single one of them. Yeah, yeah I, I do for years now, actually. Uh, let me ask you this. So what's the future of Bobble.com? Right now it's on ice. That's a great question. Um, we spent 10 grand in quarter one. I am building that, the SaaS thing as well as other things. Um, quite frankly, doing a thousand blog posts was wearing me down. Like that was the goal initially. So I'm going to put it on ice. I want to see some traction. Um, I've had success seeding websites in the past that are just 
regular websites and mm -hmm. then we have traffic. I was working on one yesterday. So let's see if Google gives us some love before dropping another significant amount of money on it. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a great way to look at it. Uh, it's, it's a, that's sunk cost analysis, right? When you're looking at it that way. Um, let me ask you this. So let's just say that you are, you know, a lot of our audience are newer bloggers. They're just getting started. And, um, you know, you're working on a site for a long time and a long time, I should say, I'm, I'm doing the air quotes for everyone on podcast. So uh, you work on a site for a long time. Let's just say, you know, six months you, and you just, you just putting your nose down, you're sitting there creating articles. What type of key performance indicators would you be looking for uh, to justify continuing to work on the site? Impressions. Impressions when starting out, because we just want to see if Google is serving, even if it's on second, third, fourth page, is Google serving our pages to potential users? That means that Google is showing us love. Don't get caught up with clicks. I want to get 50 clicks so I can qualify or 50,000 per, per month to qualify for Mediavine. Da, da, da. No, focus on impressions. And then here's the key because SEO is all about testing. Figure out where Google's showing you the most love and then build out, crystallize underneath that and support that specific article with a topical cluster. Yeah. Don't get discouraged. Um, I'm not discouraged with Bopple. A little embarrassed because I'd prefer to say it's a victory. Um, but this is typical stuff. You know? No. Yeah, that makes that makes plenty of sense. And I like that idea of just focusing on the impressions. Um, sometimes I'll be working with someone and they'll show me their uh, their clicks from one month to the next month. And you'd be like, man, it's still very little clicks, but then you'll do the percentage increase, right? And you know, when the numbers are smaller, the percentages can normally be bigger. You're like, man, I only had 50 clicks yesterday, last month. This month, I only got 75. I'm like, dude, that's a huge increase, you know, when you look at it the percentage-wise, right? Um, because it's not going to always be peaches and rainbows as you're, as you're creating your site. But looking at the impressions is probably a really good one. Is there anything else or really that's your main thing you're looking at? And people have to, if, if you're a new blogger, realize one page, one blog post, literally one blog post can constitute 10,000 clicks a month. Yeah. So you could have a, a, just a handful of really good blog posts that you supported well. Um, yet again, going back to topical clusters, that could be your whole income. Now, that's not a good diversified approach, but sometimes it happens that way. So realize success can happen pretty quick if Google grabs a hold of one of your articles. Now, when that does happen, you mentioned like maybe uh, leaning more into it because Google obviously likes you for that particular topic. Are you doing anything other than just writing more supporting posts, you know, building maybe a further topical map or something, or are you hitting other topics? What would be your strategy there? Right. Um, that's a great question. When you have a really successful blog post, sometimes it's scary to edit it, right? We don't want to, I mean, you can really mess that up if you go in and edit it, but an opportunity is to go in and edit it and link to another kind of tangent um, aspect. Let's say you have success with a Monstera Delicioso like uh, plant. You're ranking number one for this, pulling in 10,000 views a month. Well, there's other variants of that type of plant you could talk about or how to care for it or whatever. Take the successful article and link out to one that you're trying to make successful as well. Don't be too aggressive. And then I see it as a war. Um, if that Monstera topic is a huge constitution of your traffic, you need to see it as one castle 
You need to build a moat around it. You need to fortify your defenses. Because me, if I see your website is ranking number one for this and you have low DR, I'm going to take it from you. Look in your chops. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to take it. So what you have to do is you build out supporting articles to it so someone like me or you cannot just come on and easily take it. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. I, mean, I like that uh, analogy of building a moat around it. But a lot of times people use that moat analysis, uh, analogy when creating backlinks because you want to just make it a little bit harder for someone else to come after you. But I never considered it the other way around because uh, I think we do sometimes underestimate the power of our own websites in terms of linking to an individual uh, page to help prop it up, show Google what the important pages on our site happens to be, you know? So, uh, no, that's, that, that's, that's really powerful. And I do use Link Whisper. I think it's an amazing. Yeah, it's a cool tool, right? Oh, it's a great tool. Yeah. I, I love it. I use it, I use it probably all the time, <laughs> probably all the time. One of the most used um, ones um, that the, the domain report it gives you is pretty awesome too. Make sure you don't have any uh, orphan posts mm. or anything like that. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. But um, look, I know we only got a couple more minutes. Where can people keep up with you, Jesse? Figure um, talk more about the uh, with you talking more about the Bobble.com case study that you're doing online. Um, where can people find you? Yeah, so YouTube's the easiest. Um, having fun there. I, I try to keep it fun and positive. So check me out there in our community tab. Um, I'm doing like you know you te- you can do text updates. Mm-hmm. We have a free to use tool right now that it's a one click. Um, you can create a, an article, a blog article, 2,500 words right now. You need an open AI key to do it. We are refining it. We are going through, this is the alpha stage. I need people to use it and give us feedback to make it better. How could we improve your life with this tool for, for bloggers? The average cost is like five cents per 2,500 word article. Wow. Yeah, because you're using open AI's tokens. Whereas most tools, you have to pay the person who created it $50 a month to use 50,000 words per month. But right now it's an alpha status. Go check it out. But YouTube is the coolest. Um, I try to do two videos a week and um, have fun with it, you know? Yeah. So to find that tool, just go to your YouTube channel and click on the community tab. Yeah. And I'm always doing um, updates um, on it. All right. So go check them out, everyone. Jesse Cunningham. Uh, make sure you put Jesse Cunningham SEO. I, I found there's a like a country singer named Jesse Cunningham. <laughs> and nice. uh, his stuff kept popping up when I was searching it. But if you put Jesse Cunningham SEO or ChatGPT or something online related, 99% of the time, uh, Jesse's channel will pop up. So thanks so much for being on, Jesse. I really do appreciate it. Thank Maybe we can have you back once um, Bobble explodes. <laughs> oh, I'll love it. But yeah, thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. See ya.